0: Welcome to the broadcast of Better Together, Democrats and Republicans Who Love America, episode 58. There was so much news today. I am proud of myself for even attempting to go through so many topics and try to make sense of so many issues that are going on specifically today, and then condense both sides, conservative and liberal points of view, and weave it together. Goodness. It was a challenge today. I am not going to lie. Uh, it was a challenge. I was almost like, can I do this? I can do this, though, because I know when to sum up and know when to delve. Um, first off, you know, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, and you're going to get sick of me being right a lot. I know. So just be prepared. If you're one of those people that really gets annoyed at someone who's nearly always right, you might get annoyed at me. But I say it because... I've always had an interest in politics, never to become anything in it, but just the workings of our government. And I really love being an American. I love being an American and I'm proud of it. And I'm not ignorant of the flaws, but I'm also up for the work. So, and I'm I'm a habitual voter. So I feel like I, and I'm a critical thinker. So I like being challenged by other points of view and then having to really introspect to go what is it was that I really believe and why because um, it helps me know myself too more and then I'm also just a really fast reader condense quickly and then I can be of service to those listening who maybe don't have those skills right or maybe don't have the time I, I really empathize with people that are uninformed or only informed by their party's point of view because it feels safe and cozy, which is scary and occult. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have to know both sides because you're busy. You don't have time, and I, that I am empathetic. And I mean, even just watching the news isn't worth it because you're going to just hear a bunch of people show off versus like reading and getting the facts. And that's if the stories don't get pulled, Right. If they actually stick. So there's also that that keeps me doing this. I think someone asked recently if I was OCD. I'm not. I'm just absolutely compelled to keep up with the news and keep all of you up with the news. Even if you check around a few days later, a week later, you know, all of this is a sequential buildup. From episode one to continual. So you can start to recognize patterns that I've recognized for a very long time with countries like China, you know, um, Republican Party, Democratic Party, things we try that fail, recycling of ideas that have not worked, or innovative ideas that haven't been tried yet. And I don't know, I just feel like I'm good at this. And it might help people keep informed. I'm not really interested in people agreeing with me. I'm more interested in people knowing what's happening. And then they make up their own minds. And they can think whatever. Throwing a little comedy in every now and then. Get my two cents in. Yeah. So I guess I want to start with, I'm a couple days late on the Kansas thing. I know. It's not that I haven't been aware. It's just there's so much, there's such much volume, and I'm limited to like an hour per episode on this thing. So um, yeah, I'll just go sequential from chrono. Um, So if you have been living under a rock, you probably don't know that Kansas, which is a red state, traditionally always been a red state. Um, perceived by us Democrats as no different than another red state, no different than Idaho, no different than you know uh, a certain red states in the Deep South. I mean, it just A equals A equals A with us, and apparently now Kansas is like not so much. No, we're a red state and we are pro-choice, A.K.A. pro-reproductive rights—the new name for that. Um, which has given Michael Moore new life again in <laughs> his podcast, he did a little emergency podcast alert it's it's cute, it's a gimmicky, but <laughs> it's pretty charming and cute and he was you could tell he just had a surge of good old <laughs> Good old optimism back. That's hard for the far left to be optimistic. They're usually like baseline pessimistic. (laughs) So he has, he's like, there's hope, there's hope. Of course there's hope. But if Michael remembers, you know, I mean, all the Republicans believe in climate change now. And they didn't as little as four years ago, five years ago. Like they eventually get there, but it's going to take a minute. They have to process I mean, it's awkward, right? Because on what they're right, uh, what conservatives are right about, they're really right, but they're wrong on so many things. And then to constantly be bested by my party is an ego bust. That's over. You know, they have to look forward to over and over. I know, right? (laughs) You have to look forward to it over and over and over again. Yes, you do. I don't know. Just think of it as humbling you, right? It's good to be humbled. It's good for the soul, right? It's true, though. And yes, we get a little gloaty. Okay. And yes, we get a little bit, what is the word? Coastal elites. I love all these new nomenclatures I'm learning from Yellowstone. (laughs) Season one, episode one. (laughs) The clash of the Democratic and wealthy Republican Uh, developers in Montana as a backdrop of the old ranch very red state and like not wanting to change ways it's a little bit of a metaphor ironically one of the developers is from San Francisco I think in the character Um, I think or there was a reference to our condos or something anyway um, yeah kind of is hard to be sometimes right Republicans (laughs) But I think in certain things, what you're right, you're really right on, you know, and I mean, I think I'm very clear on what you're right on. And if not, I'll be more clear today. I think I give credit to where credit is due. And I appreciate that Laura Ingraham yesterday did that with Nancy, too. That was appreciated. Actually, a lot of Republicans gave her her credit and that's appreciated. Right. Um. So, you know, Republicans have to figure out when they're like, oh, shoot, the jig is up and we are we are wrong again. And then we have to just like eat it and group ourselves together. It's awkward. They don't really have a formula for that. So Kansas, you know, is the first red state that's like, yeah, abortion is totally up to a person the woman not others which is amazing for us i think democrats we are kind of we don't really know how to what to make of this we're so, we're happy we're happy why are we happy because of all the abortions no we're happy because reproductive rights is being valued and imposition of other people's beliefs about life creation is not being imposed on people that may or may not share your faith. So this makes it more American because we're supporting people's reproductive rights. Um, right. Okay. So Associated Press. I'm going to read it by Steve Peoples. Abortion vote in Kansas sparks new hope for Dems in midterms. I think that's a bit of a stretch already for the title, I will say. But <laughs> I don't know that that's the link. I think it sparks hope for Michael Moore and other, far leftists who would never thought in a million years that this could be possible, um, is possible, and they're excited about that. I don't necessarily know if it's linked to the midterms. I think it's a little bit of manipulation by Steve Peoples there, but... Okay, in New York, Democrats displayed a newfound sense of optimism about the election year political climate Wednesday after voters in traditionally conservative Kansas overwhelmingly backed a measure protecting reproductive rights, or they call it abortion rights at the White House. President Joe Biden hailed the vote in Kansas as a direct result of the outrage of Supreme Court's decision in June to repeal the woman's constitutional right to obtain. An abortion. Republicans in the high court don't have a clue about the power of American women, Biden said. Last night in Kansas, they found out. On Capitol Hill, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Democrat of New York, boasted of the political winds blowing at the Democrats. Last night in the American heartland, the people of Kansas which is an ag state, sent an unmistakable message to extremist Republicans, he said. If it's going to happen in Kansas, it's going to happen in a whole lot of states. It sure is. And I'm going to backtrack here. Um, I mean, we know the data. Dems know the data, which is a very few percentage of Republicans are pro-life, as they want to call it. It's actually pro-birth. It should not be pro-life. Therefore, the death penalty. Death is the opposite of life murder is murder. Is it murder when you're killing, you know, someone by firing squad hanging or the electric chair? You're all for that. A lot of you. So you can't, you know, let's not call it pro-choice, pro-life. Let's call it reproductive rights and pro-birth. You're pro-birth. After that, hey, it's all in the maker's hands, I guess. Right? Right? Um, that's the view of that segment of religious right, which is one segment of the pie that is Republican. Let's get review from yesterday. Um, Republicans fall into many camps, just like Democrats fall into many camps. We are not united, neither are they, and we are pies and a pie graph. Republicans, a lot of people are in it for the tax breaks. A lot of people are in it for the religious extremisms. A lot of it, people are in it because they are Confederate legacy Republicans that want to tear down the government and do insurrections and bring back the old South. Um, And then there's the military that are in it because of the military. Even though Democrats actually support the veterans more financially and um, with laws to ensure their benefits more than Republicans do, except for Trump. Trump was a deviant in his republican party and actually was very very good to the veterans um more than just language so people want to forget that minimize that but he did do that he did a lot but that's not traditionally the republican leadership's position they're great to get them fighting and defend america and support the troops but then you know you get injured paralyzed veterans the vets afterward, oh, uh, well, you know, you're of no use to us now. We don't need to provide you health care. Benefits, housing, no, you're not important to us now. I mean, it's very callous. It's very hypocritical, and that is a segment of the majority of the, Repo- of the Republican Party. Not all. But if you look at funding, voting efforts, veterans, 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 Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Yeah. That's a a big hypocrisy there. Not that we don't also have big hypocrisies. We do on the damn side. But in these two pies with many slices, the majority of the Republican pie is pro-reproductive rights. It's just that the Supreme Court and this contingency of this religious right is very target laser focused. They don't have a ton of agenda items. They have some more, but they're really laser focused and they vote like they vote like they are there. They show up every time. That's a focused target energy that uh, can move things, you know, and we can also move it back. Right. We America, both parties. So, yeah, it is going to happen in a whole lot of states. I wonder if Iowa will be next. Probably. We'll watch and see about what Iowa thinks. With three months until November election, the optimism may be pre- premature, but it represents a much-needed break for the party that has spent better part of past year reeling from crisis to crisis, including the botched withdrawal from Afghanistan and rising prices for gas and other goods. Those developments have contributed by low approval ratings. I think it's also the student loans. Gas is a lower... Afghanistan, I mean it's a it was a mess to begin with, it's a mess to end. I think that's what it is. Both parties made a mess of it, okay? Leaving Democrats without a unifying leader in a position to rally voters before the election with control of Congress at stake. I mean, I think we we have to see what Power Student Loans have. I think that's one of the X factors we haven't fully delved. The Kansas vote, however, suggests that threats to abortion rights may energize Democrats in a way few political leaders can. And it comes at a moment when the party is gaining momentum on other fronts, including a legislative package to re- to reduce prescription drug prices, combat climate change, and raise taxes on the corps. corporations. The challenge for Democrats will be to maintain the energy for several more months and defy trends that typically trip up the party in power. Consistency. You have to say, you know, a lot of times the Republicans, for the most part, are pretty consistent. Sometimes just being consistent wins. It's just, you know, it's not rocket science. Consistency and showing up to vote. Or, you know, uh, absentee vote if you can't show up. Probably, preferably absentee vote in this kind of climate of violence. Absentee vote from the privacy of your own home. In recent history, the party controlling the White House almost always suffers deep losses in the first midterm election of a new presidency. Also, an overwhelming majority of voters believe the country is heading in the wrong direction amid inflation and other economic concerns. Even with the abortion-related momentum, many Democratic strategists privately expect to lose a House majority and believe the Senate is essentially a coin flip. The day after Kansas' vote... Democratic strategists on the front lines of a key midterm contest describes a complicated political reality on abortion. Abortion rights supporters er surged to the polls in Kansas, where abortion was quite literally on the ballot. By a roughly 20% point margin, they rejected a measure that would have changed the state constitution to allow state lawmakers to impose restrictions on abortions or even a ban. The early August primary turnout was on par with the governor's general election contest. But few elections this fall will feature such clear stakes for abortion rights. Just four states, California, Michigan, Vermont, Kentucky, are expected to feature a Kansas-style abortion referendum on the November ballot. Kentucky is Mitch McConnell's state. According to the pro-democratic group's Emily's List, the majority of states Democrats must convince voters that they can protect abortion access only by defeat anti-abortion Republican candidates at the state and federal level. While this is true in most cases, it's much more complicated to run against a candidate than a single-issue ballot measure, according to Democratic pollster Molly Murphy. The optimist would say, when voters know the abortion is on the ballot, they are motivated to turn out, Murphy said. That's the messaging... Challenge that we are going to face. Will voters believe that the legal right to abortion is at stake here in this country if they vote in Congress, Senate, Governor, State House? All of those things. To be motivated to show up to vote. Republicans are going to do everything they can to deflect and not engage on this. She added, noting GOP's heavy focus on inflation, gas prices, and immigration. Indeed, as Dems celebrated Wednesday, the Republican reaction to abortion vote was decidedly muted. Kansas vote was a huge disappointment for pro-life Kansas. And American Nationwide, Mallory Carroll of Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America. Um, Republican strategist Christine Matthews warned that the Kansas vote could have an energizing effect for abortion rights supporters. Success breeds success, she said. It will encourage the belief that turning out and activating can make a difference, and that's particularly important with the younger voters who are less inclined to participate. It's a momentum shifter. Democrats have long tried without much success to energize supporters by focusing on abortion. But the Supreme Court's decision clarified the stakes as never before. Absent a new federal law, abortion rights now fall to the states, and in 12 states led by Republicans, abortion has already been banned or heavily restricted. Many more expected to follow. I want to pause on that and just remind people of the EMTALA Act of 1986, EMTALA, look it up, which guarantees an abortion in every emergency department in America if the doctor deems it medically necessary. Now, what criteria goes into said doctor deeming said abortion medically necessary? I don't know. But that doctor has federal protection, regardless of what the state thinks. That's what the EMTALA 1986 Act was for, to allow that pathway through the emergency department. It's not the fastest way, it's not the best way. I'm not saying we settle for that, but it's there. It's on the books, it hasn't been removed. I don't know why it's not getting the airplay, except this topic, like they just said, is an energizing topic that's going to get engagement. So maybe that's why my own party possibly is minimizing it to some degree, although they brought it up. Um, You know, MTALA Act ensures federal protections for doctors who deem medical abortions are needed in the ED. You may be the last person to see a doctor. You might have to wait for a day. I don't know. But it's written there. It hasn't been unwritten. It hasn't been replaced because of the Supreme Court and left to the states. That hasn't changed that particular act. So I just want to say, sure, I want things to be energized, too. And I want people to turn out to vote, too. But what about that? That's our guaranteed protection for all 50 states and every hospital in America. You can't yank a doctor's license for that coverage, protection. So, you know, then it just comes down to enforcement and teeth and how invested is the federal government going to be to really ensure, ensure, ensure that. And that part is worthy of debate bringing up too. Republicans in other states have largely sought to avoid clarifying their position. I'm going to skim now because this, I'm taking too long on this one story. <laughs> Probably going to have to do two hours here. Uh, two separate two separate things. Um, it's all speculation. I don't want to go through speculation of what may or may not motivate turn voters turn out. The point is anyway, the point is it's a deviation from an expected norm that we Democrats were not um, expecting but happy. And it shows potential hope. And it is a reflection of the majority will who do want to safeguard the rights to abortion. So what about Idaho? Idaho is the opposite. Planned Parenthood seeks to block uh, Idaho's near total abortion ban. Reuters by Brenda Pearson. Planned Parenthood on Wednesday urged Idaho's top court to stop a state law criminalizing near all abortions from taking effect later this month. Again, their criminalization laws at the state level of Idaho does not supersede the federal protections of EMTALA, EMTALA 1986. Federal law trump state law arguing that would prevent women from getting abortions necessary to save their lives. Attorney Alan Schoenfeld, representing the abortion provider and reproductive rights group, told the courts the law's exception for saving the life of the mother was too vague for physicians to know when it applies. I would say the vagueness is your open door, (sighs) okay? The law says except for saving the life of the mother. It was too vague for physicians to know they want what it is. So the doctors want specific criteria, they want they want boxes to check. Maybe the whole point of the MTA in 1986 was to leave it up to the doctor's opinion and experience as a doctor. Maybe the vagueness was intentional. Physicians, are we following? <sighs> okay, or are what what physicians? Republican physicians that don't want to have anything to do with it. Democratic physicians that are what, afraid of blowback? I mean, what type of physicians? Too vague for physicians. It's too vague on what type of physicians are saying it's vague. Come on, you guys are smart. Women too. Uh, They're physicians. The vagueness was deliberate. Don't think it wasn't. Use it. It's the, you know, catch-all here, right? Okay, I've spelled it out. It's written in a way that will make it impossible to comply with. No, it won't. You just, if you feel the mother's life's in danger, you act. Compliance checked. I don't agree with this. So this is some sort of what? Republican physician that just wants to mess around with the vagueness? And then, I don't know. Megan Lorando, lawyer for the state, countered that the law stated an abortion could be performed if it is deemed necessary in a doctor's good faith medical judgment. I think that's pretty specific. If it doesn't require some esoteric standard to be set by the legislator, she said. Wednesday's hearing focused on the preliminary question of whether the court should pause the abortion ban while it considers Planned Parenthood challenge. Just because it's vague doesn't mean it's not null and void, okay? So again, I don't know everything about the Imtala in 1986, but this is a topic we have to clear. Just because some doctors are like, it's so vague, I don't know, should I, should I not? You know, we need to reinforce authority here on the federal level to say, um, here's what the vagueness means. It's up to you, doctor. What do you think in your medical expertise? Why don't you consult with other Doctors, if you're not sure. (laughs) What does the group think? Okay, proceed on. And then also see the political doorway that this is the catch-all. To allow what? What, doctor? What, doctor? That's right, safe abortions. Because you know what? Otherwise, she'll go out with a goat hanger. And she'll get killed, too. So, I mean, what... You know, I'm sorry. And if it's Republican physicians that have moral objections to abortions, maybe get a different job. If you're a doctor, guess what? You're you're a doctor. And and all of what that means. And if it just isn't meshing with your values for whatever reason, get a different job or go into a different field. But if you're doing primary care, get on it. Okay, rebuked enough. Yeah. <sighs> So what is, okay, Georgia, Georgia is on my mind. So this is a little bit interesting. You know, what is Georgia deciding to do? I'm gonna break it down. Andrew Keshner, with Roe versus Wade Overturn, Georgia allows pregnant women to claim their unborn child as a dependent, and it may not be the last state to do so. Super fascinating. Pregnant, watchin- pregnant women in Georgia can now claim their unborn child is dependent on their state income tax. The state revenue department said this week in a decision for reflecting the array of new questions for a country without federal right to abortion. The, the Georgia Department of Revenue guidance enables women carrying an unborn child with a detectable human heartbeat, so you have to have six weeks or, or more, to claim a dependent personal exemption worth $3,000 for, for the fetus. The guidance comes more than a month after Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. Following Supreme Court decision, the federal appellate court cleared the way for Georgia's abortion ban after six weeks to take effect. The state allows other exceptions, including rape, incest, and when the mother's life is in danger. Okay, so Georgia's more reasonable than the others. Georgia allows certain exceptions, including rape, incest, and when the mother's life is in danger. Those are definitely much more reasonable. It's not enough but it's better Um, I'm sorry I'm still reading if you want to claim your dependent you have to provide your medical records I don't know how that's going to work with HIPAA violation hello if the department asks for it that's a HIPAA violation are you checking your HIPAA Georgia they don't have to declare their health. That's private, protected information. So how's that all going to work down? <laughs> okay. This is interesting. I mean, it's creative. That's the first. It may not be the last. Many state legislator on recesses still take time proposals to materialize. For example, a Michigan bill would let parents claim a $200 income tax credit for a fetus that reached 12 weeks gestation by the end of 2022. $200 is not very much. Last year, the bill passed the legislator's House of Reps. Meanwhile, a federal judge month, last month blocked Arizona's 2020 law so interesting. I guess the argument, they're, they're taking a long time with it, but I guess the argument is a lot of people say, well, I can't afford a child. So I need to get abortion because I can't afford it because I'm poor and I don't have money. And so they're like, well, here, we'll give you a tax credit. Here, we'll give you $3,000. We'll give you $200 um, to try to negate that argument and cajole women to have the baby for financial gain, which at the end of the day is still... more of a choice, which is nicer. But then, you know, I guess, is that the choice just to those exceptions to the rape incest? And what was the other one? Threaten the life of the mom? I don't So this is just like, I don't know, I don't feel like it's fully fleshed out this idea yet. Let me see. There's another article here. Embryos can count as dependents. Just the title of it all. Kate Dory, for many families there's no benefit at all, says Analyst. I'm just summarizing. I don't want to repeat what I've already said. It's an anti-abortion piece of legislation, he said, explaining how the tax break won't support most lower-income families. Tax deductions, tax credit are less valuable because they're more difficult to claim. Many filers take standard deduction rather than itemizing. Okay, that's true. Good point, Oxier said. For most low-income families, there's no benefit at all, he said, and for the rest of them, we're talking tens of dollars. This is a situation we may have some really, really uncomfortable conversations, particularly if things didn't go well, said Adam Markovitz. Enrolled agent, Vice President Howard Markovitz, PACPA. Financial experts have to ask which parent may claim the deduction, what happens with multiple births, or the pregnancy ends in a miscarriage. It's a tax person's nightmare, Markovitz added. Okay. With unmarried parents living in separate households, it may be complicated to figure out who receives the benefit. How to support, yeah, provide supporting documentation. Medical records, supporting documentation must be provided if requested by the Department of Revenue, but it's exactly unclear how that would be required. High-income families have resources to go ask their primary care physician for supporting documents. Most families aren't going to have the time or money to schedule yet another appointment. So it looks like this is a, like an idea thrown up the poll to see what people think about it and talk about it, which is, you know, interesting. Money as a financial incentive to keep the baby. I guess here's my view. I would not have a problem. With, I mean, I think first off. Abortion should be allowed in all fifty states, safe because we all know the evidence shows abortions are going to happen anyway. It's not the, banning abortion does not ban abortions. We know that for facts. Um, banning the abortions means you are only taking away the safe abortions that are banned. The dangerous ban, the dangerous abortions continue on. So, I mean, and I, I would say that one message to practical, pragmatic Republican minds, which are typically not that little piece of pie that's the religious zealots, they just can't seem to conceive of this. Abortions are going to happen regardless if you say no abortions allowed, you're going to be criminalized and go to jail or, you know. Go for it. Abortion's allowed. They're still going to happen. It just is a matter of medical safety and how they're performed and under what circumstances and and what environment. Is it a back alley or is it a doctor's sanitary office? Right? It really, I mean, that, if you can just boil it down to that, and everything you think about it other than that is like it's just Safety it's safety because it's you cannot control the movement behavior, everything of that said person there's no way, and we wouldn't want it if there was, otherwise we'd be the Communist Party of China. Hello, we don't want that it's America. so it really just comes down this is my one message you can just because I think it's just so simple, so basic, so understandable. it challenges a religious right because they just seem I guess afraid are going to be struck down if they adopt this this view, but you do not control every single person. So they are going to have them, whether it's safe or unsafe. So as Americans, we should provide safety at least, right? It just makes sense. Um, that being said, okay, say best of all circumstances, abortion, uh, allowed in all 50 states and then Georgia says but okay but still to appease our religious right uh, we would really prefer if you had the baby we know we can't make you we know you could go to a a safe abortion clinic and you won't die and it'll be done by a doctor we know we know but we'll give you this tax credit in our state as a reflection of our values of pro-birth if you do choose to have the child." Now, I honestly wouldn't have a problem with a state, whether it's Georgia or anywhere else, offering that. Because I think that's a fair compromise. You're still allowing for reproductive rights. You're still allowing for choice. You might be financially incentivizing, not with this particular statistical article, but the idea. I'm talking concept. You're still allowing to a reward for those who do financial reward for those who do want to, uh, have the child. And I just don't see where anything's wrong with that. Um, if states decide that that is now the new expression of how they want to collectively support pro birth. Maybe, maybe that's the answer. Maybe this burgeoning urge to be pro birth. I'm not going to say pro life because they're for the death penalty. Most of the time, it's just, it's just hypocrisy. Okay. So, um, for those who are just so pro birth and just want to see something on the books. Okay. Maybe this is the expression of it. We really want you to have the baby. And if you do, we will pay you X amount of money. Incentivizing to have the baby. I don't know if that would change minds or not. I don't know what impact it would have, but I think it's certainly a healthier expression for the pro birth group than what they're doing, which is these manipulative tactics of getting certain select Supreme Court members on and then just running ramshot over everybody. Right? That's just not working for. The majority of Americans on both parties who who don't want that. The majority of slices of pie on both pies are like, no. And then that one slice is like rock solid, yes. And I would say for that one slice, maybe your rock solid, yes, in the future is incentivizing financially, but still safeguarding choice for the woman. Maybe you're going to have to settle for that in the future. Just saying. Interesting ideas, though, coming up in the news on this. embryos as dependence. And yeah, what about the miscarriage? Are you paying somebody for their attempt to promote birth? I don't, maybe. And if states want to do that, I don't know that I would have a problem with that. I don't know that, you know, as long as choice is safeguarded. Okay. Biden. Another executive order. ABC News. Biden signs order paving way for Medicaid to pay out-of-state abortions. President Joe Biden signed an executive order Wednesday that paves the way for Medicaid to pay for abortion service for people having to travel out-of-state. Biden continued to criticize the Supreme Court's June 25th decision overturn. Today I'm signing the exec- second executive order that responds to the health care crisis as unfolded. The executive order comes just one day after abortion rights activists secured a major win in Kansas, where voters are on Tuesday rejecting removing the right to abortion from a state constitution. Biden said in the Supreme Court practically dared women in the country to go to the ballot box and restore the right to choose that the court just ripped away after 50 years. The voter of Kansas sent a very powerful signal that this fall that American people will, provoke, will vote to preserve and protect the right and refuse to let it be ripped away. The new directive allows the Secretary of Health and Human Services to invite states to apply for Medicaid waivers. So the states where abortion is legal could provide services to people traveling from a state where abortion may be illegal to seek services in their state. It's a workaround. It's not the ideal, but it's better than nothing for right now. Technically, these states would apply through what's known as a Medicaid 1115 waiver, according to a senior administration office. Of official the official noted that when the white house looked into declaring public health emergency for abortion and what it would be like to allow the federal government to do this change the medicaid assistance program for low income patients medical expenses was one of the options white house realized the president could go do this as an executive order instead which he plans to do wednesday which he did the timeline for these changes remains unclear. Are we talking about days, weeks, six months? Jean Pierre said, We don't have the details to share today, but HHS will soon have more on what the waiver could look like at the timeline. Biden ordered directs health and human services to make sure health care providers comply with federal non-discrimination laws so that women receive medical necessary care without delay. So, the White House could include provi- providing technical assistance for healthcare providers who may be confused and share their obligations in the aftermath of the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs, or providing other info and guidance to provide providers about their obligations and consequences of not complying with non discrimination laws. Yeah. Okay, and so then Biden did another order protecting people. So a safety uh, kind of counterpart to that. Pop sugar, Kelsey Garcia, Wednesday, Biden signs an executive order to protect people who cross state lines for abortions. And... In a continued effort to protect abortion access after Supreme Court overturned, President Joe Biden signed an executive order Wednesday, August 3rd, to help people who must cross state lines in court order to access. They ha- it orders to ensure health care providers comply with federal non-discrimination laws and find ways to support patients who must travel to allow them reproductive health care for women who live in states are being banned in that state. The court practically dared women to this country to go to the ballot box. Yeah, we talked about that already. Reiterating. Today, I know in no uncertain terms, we are reinforcing that we expect providers to continue offering these services. Yeah. And that federal law preempts state abortion bans when needed for emergency care. That's right. And I really think to doctors out there, if you just cannot do an abortion, because you're just religiously opposed to it, then you may, you, you may have to pick a different job, you know, something else, because again, you know, it's, it's healthcare, it's going to happen in the back alley or the doctor's office, much better to have it in the doctor's office, you know, than the back alley, where maybe two people could die, Right? If you consider whatever stage of life along the the fetus journey, is it life? It just depends. Not everybody does believe that life begins at conception. Some people do. Not everybody does. So... The fastest way to restore Roe is to pass the national law, which will I was sign immediately upon his passage on my desk, he added. The challenge is to go out and vote. For God's sake, there's an election in November. Vote, 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 vote. Well said. Notice that we never have to say that to Republicans. (laughs) Ever. (laughs) Have they ever been told, you got to go out and vote? Never. Never. I just, I just like really take that in. Never have to cajole Republicans to vote. It's already ingrained in them. I think in one way, it's an expression of their love for the country. And I think for some Democrats, they're lazy asses and don't want to be bothered. There's a fun party, a bigger, better event, and they take for granted a lot of what this country does bring to them. I honestly think that. Some are also just afraid of not being able to understand. There's ignorance in play for sure, too, um, which does need to be addressed. And sure, there's voter suppression and all that. I don't know if in your own home with an absentee ballot. And I would hope that all 50 states offer absentee ballots. They should if they don't. Then there's no voter suppression whatsoever. You're dropping it off in the mailbox. (laughs) So, but five vote, four vote, 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 vote. We're always screaming for our own party to vote. It's just so pathetic. <laughs> it's just so pathetic. It is. I mean, I mean, as a dem, I'm like we're all like beside ourselves sometimes. And who are these non-voters? You know, in our party, that's another question. Who are the non-voters in our party? Is it an extreme far left? Maybe. I feel like central Dems get out there. I mean, that would be worth putting money to do a poll to find out who are the non-voters in the Democratic Party? What group? Is it BIPOC? Is it, who is it? And reach them. And if it's really I can't be bothered, then Republicans can be bothered. And maybe that's how we're in this mess, is because they could be bothered. You know what I mean? So, you know, self love, right? For your country it starts with your vote, right? I think. So, yeah, by any means, you know, while we're right about a lot of things in the Democratic Party, we can be pretty pathetic in the turnout. It, I'm not going to lie. It's like, I even think San Francisco got like what, 26% turnout in our local vote, local elections? That's pathetic. We're so political, and we have 26%. I think it wasn't that during the Chesapeake? Or no, it was the most recent uh, local elections, that's right, San Francisco. Like 26%? And we're so political? Well, where are they? And we're supposed to be mostly Democrats? We're not only, by the way. But um, where are you? These things don't happen because you want to scream, go to a march, protest, make a big stink, and not vote. <laughs> it's not, not really working for the formula of the Democratic Party agenda here. Republicans don't even have to fully uh, understand what the heck they're voting for. And they're showing up and, and checking boxes and getting things done. Whether they understand what it is or not, because they're participating. Okay, so we have to participate. And I'm not afraid to call out the BIPOC. If it's the BIPOC, I think it's the BIPOC. I don't want to hear all these excuses. I'm sick of the excuses. Make it as easy as possible. Ballot to the house. Easy, I'm tired of the placation and the, you know, really. It's, you know, this is for your advocacy, your cultural group, you know. It needs to matter. As much as watching TV, as much as time with your kids, as much as everything else. So if it is BIPOC, then we got to just rattle the cage. And I'm just saying that metaphorically, of course. Like, vote, vote, and how do we do, like, what do you need help? You don't, you're afraid, you don't think you know what you're doing? Here, we'll help you, guide you through like, really, we can't be so... I don't feel like we have these conversations in the Democratic Party with our own. Like, we're too scared of offending certain groups. You know what? I'm willing to offend certain groups if it means that we're going to get more voters and those actual groups are going to get more justice. I'll, I'll have the offensive conversations because I care about the BIPOC, but they have to know how it works in this country, right? They do know how it works, but I mean, the best chance, I should say, they know how it works. That was misspoke. The be, You know what I'm saying is like uh, how to get it the best outcome we can get for the BIPOC is participation by voting, This was mostly all on the abortion stuff. I had so many other things to talk on. I wasn't even planning on doing all that. <laughs> Some of these stories I thought were interesting. I'm like, <laughs> pass. Senate passes a veterans health bill after Republicans caved to pressure. Cave to pressure. So there's no pro-military, but this is one of those hypocrisies. Veterans have to be valued just as much. Here's the thing. Veterans have to be valued just as much as active duty soldiers. And if they're not... That's a problem because it won't also, by the way, encourage more people. I mean, and we would probably love to have more people in the military. So like we have to take care of them. Okay. PACT Act protects the veterans. a veteran and founder of No One Left Behind. Hey, whoa, what happened? There we are. I could go on about that, but you get the gist. You can look it up for yourself if you want to know specifics on it. So they were cajoled, forced, bullied, whatever, to finally pass the veterans bill, the Republicans in the Senate. You know, that's the part where we Dems go, we just don't understand you. Because if you're so pro-military, be pro-military all the way. If you're so pro-life, be pro-life all the way. Don't be pro-death penalty, but call yourself pro-life. When you're just pro-birth, like be specific on the names that really reflect what you're talking about. It comes off as hypocritical. Oh, I think I repeated some of those things. Um, God, there's so much to go over. I mean. Trying to look, it could be a whole episode. Uh, I guess I'll do some updates. Monkeypox continues to surge in the U.S., declares a national health emergency, perhaps as soon as today. Monkeypox, U.S. sounds, alarm, four found dead, multiple crime scene, uh, multiple crime scene after reports, vaccine access now of explosion fires. Berkeley's People's Park closed down for housing construction. Protesters at the scene map, tropical monkeypox. I don't know about the fine. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, distribution as fast as possible. We we know three quarters of a million doses got in the country last week, specifically last Thursday. Um, so we just need updates on how those are getting distributed. There should be no back off. Not making ultra ultra strict restrictions. Okay. So many positive environmental developments is going to be reported in the next uh, episode or possibly the next two episodes because this took up like a lot of the time. Oh, man. There's a whole bunch of stuff on student loans I want to go through. There's the update on the migrants of so what's going on. A lot of anti-migrant states are shipping migrants over to the coastal elites um, and making it seem as if coastal elites are so upset by it and can't take it and can't deal with it. And I don't know. The only story I read in, some, in part, which we'll go through, is that they were fine with it. So I don't know like if that's actually accurate. I mean, maybe some are, maybe some aren't. I don't know. So. There's a ton of stuff on the FBI. <laughs> there was just, it was a lot today. I'm like, I have news for weeks. Um, Mansion and his whole thing and the climate, health care taxes, Senate deal, tax bill, Inflation Reduction Act, how that all came down. Bernie's response to Mansion, Which was, I guess, what I have heard through the grapevine is Inflation Reduction Act is kind of a reboot of the Build Back Better through Chuck Schumer's scheming. <laughs> I heard that from Dumb Gay Podcast. Dumb Gay Political Podcast from Brandy and Julie. <laughs> they actually outlined it very specifically, if you care to listen to that. They called the episode... Happy Chuck Schumer Day, I think. It's called Dumb Gay Politics. That's the name of the po- of the podcast. It's a comedy and political podcast. But they really talk about like how exactly Chuck Schumer maneuvered Build Back Better and repackaged it as the Inflation Act. So, it was very entertaining to listen to all of that. And I'm like, "I kind of believe this. I believe he would do that." We'll see. Brittany Griner, I am so out of the loop on all that, so I'm going to read about that. Oh, smuggle illegal narcotics into Russia. Okay. All this brouhaha is over smuggling illegal kind Smuggling for what? A lot of people? Herself? I don't know. Arrested, second my home, and all I want to do is just championships and make them proud. I don't know. That was a pretty... Uh, risky thing to do, I should say. But you know what? We'll read it, give it due credit later. And then Josh Hawley, Republican senator's book, announced everyone's saying the same thing. He's writing a book. He was the one that rejected Sweden and Finland's NATO bid because he said, well, we should really focus on China. It's like, uh, we should focus on All. <laughs> of the autocratic jerks and go against them. Oh, I wanted to say this part about since we talked about abortion the whole time. I did, rather. I'm just skimming. It's just so much. So much news. A lot of San Francisco news coming up. Mm. Was Anna Navarro's reaction which I kind of just clarified the real reason, but she's like, Anna Navarro, the Kansas anti-abortion vote failed because Republicans have mistresses. <laughs> I mean, that's a interesting response. I mean, I think it, the vote failed because majority of Republicans are pro-reproductive rights. The data shows. And some are not. But most are in Kansas decided to say, we're going to reflect that. You know, the mistress things, I mean, it's it's probably also true. I'm not saying it's not true, but I'm saying it's, I wouldn't say it's the primary, like, rationale. I guess since I talked about abortion like the entire hour, I'll end with this. Can, here's a theological debate can someone be a good, God fearing, Jesus worshiping Christian and be pro reproductive rights in America? I would say yes, and I would say I am for one, and the Episcopal Church as an entire denomination is, by the way, on record. Um, if you are if your church is not um, meshing with that value and you can't stand it anymore, we'd love to have you in the Episcopal Church. It's a Protestant denomination. Um, yeah, the reason being is that um, Jesus never forced anything on anyone. He taught. He came. He did his mission. He preached I've read the Bible four times through, cover to cover, so I know it pretty darn well. And it was not a force. It was not a, you will do this. You will do that. Now, one could say, well, what about the Ten Commandments? Well, the Ten Commandments was given to Abraham by God as a rule book for the Israelites to basically show them how they so could not follow those rules. So it was a bit of a setup um, to reflect the nature of God and the idealism, but also as a gotcha, see, you can't do it on your own, can you? Ha ha ha. But don't worry, I got my son coming, and he's going to, Change the whole deal so everybody can be absolved through my son. So it was just part of this, you know, grand plan of God. You know, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt, you know, adultery. On, on, on. And he basically was just making these laws to show, you know, Israelites, you cannot be self-righteous in your religiosity. You will need mercy. You will need my son. You will need a savior because you're not going to be able to cut the mustard. So yeah, we don't force. Thanks.